Welcome to Matt Med, where we discuss everything EMS and nothing is off the table. From weird stories to new and emerging treatments and protocols. Where you can come to vent about a difficult call or learn a little more about your practice. Imagine sitting around the table with your crew discussing new medical practices and then it turning into an all-out story time. Whether it's issues at work or how to handle the stresses of the job at home. If chatting with emergency medical services with the strange family that we are is your cup of tea and gets your sirens going, stick around as we go in service. This, this is, is Matt Med. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is a reflection of personal opinions and in no way associated with any EMS service or company. It is not intended to be a replacement for your protocols, judgment, or common sense. There will be explicit content. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to let everyone know ahead of time, in this episode you will hear kids, dogs, and many other background noises as this is recorded in our home and we are far from professionals. Podcast recording and editing is still new to us and we are always working to improve the sound and quality of our productions. Please bear with us and don't let the technical difficulties take away from the experience. Hey guys, welcome back to Matt Matt EMS Podcast. This is our second episode, so we're not going to stop here. Uh, we've got special guests with us, uh, and really the only reason he's special is because he's the first one. But that's okay too. Uh, go ahead and say hi. Hello. Hey man, what's up? So, um, we've got you here. We're going to do uh, kind of the same interview with you, and you've got a story for us is what I'm told. I mean, if you can provoke the story, I'll tell it. We'll do the best to drag it out of you. We'll see, we'll see what we can do. Uh, also here with my lovely co-host, Cass. Hi, guys. Just kind of hanging out, having a good time. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what's your name? Uh, you know, What kind of work you do, that sort of thing. Yeah, so my name's Tim. I'm an EMT. I've been in EMS for nine years. I've been a certified EMT for five of that. Uh, before that, I rode third person before I turned 18. Um, I did some volunteer firefighting, some, some rescue technician stuff. Uh, a couple of years ago, but I'm a full-time EMT now. Cool, cool. So Tim works with us. Uh, we've we've kind of known each other for a little bit. Uh, we actually kind of hit it right off. Um, yeah, I guess whenever you do this, you kind of hit it off with everybody a little bit. <laughs> actually, I think I knew him before you did. Um, we competed in uh, the Battle of the Bluegrass competition, um, not against each other because we were in different different levels. Basically, you did the BLS version, I did the ALS version, and. Uh, we uh, we had a really good time with that. Yeah, I think we were both crowned best in the bluegrass, right? Yes, we were. Yeah. State of Kentucky. And I don't know if they've done it again. They since haven't. Then. No, they so haven't. So we need to bring that back. We do. My old service actually still has the, the BLS trophy with mine and my partner's names on it. That's pretty cool. I, I, I don't know where mine went. I, I have a picture of mine. <laughs> Believe well, it or not, uh, Small Circle, that's where we met for what? the first time. Yeah, it was at that conference, right? Yes. It was. That, it was. that night in a case we probably shouldn't talk about on the <laughs> national podcast. Yeah, it was uh so anyway, um so you're an EMT. <laughs> uh t- what's the most interesting fact about yourself? I have an ablar- like an abnormally large nose. Yes, uh in in case anybody's wondering, we have referred to him as Toucan several times. That's actually my official name now. Toucan. Toucan. That's that's fair. We can do that. I'm changing on my birth certificate. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I mean, w- more people would would be understanding. I mean, you don't look like a Tim. <laughs> so, I mean, you say you've been in this for, what, nine years? Ten years? Yeah, so four of that was unpaid. Okay. Um, so you did this crap for free? Yeah. Uh, so I started at 14. 
Well, to be, um, to be fair, though, not to cut you short, but to be fair, we all kind of do it for cheap. Yeah, no, we're the cheapest labor in the nation. <laughs> for sure. Like, we get for abused sure. for this. I like, thought you were like getting ready to call us wage. cheap whores. We are cheap whores. I mean, they do kind of <laughs> screw us occasionally. A lot. Yeah. So, anyway, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I was 14. I was in a club in high school, and um, we were competing in an emergency response competition. And to train for that, I got to go ride at EMS, and I just kind of became... You know, like like a herpy. Like they never got rid of me. Yeah, the gift that keeps on giving, right? <laughs> so, did you want to do this when you were like like a young kid, or did you just kind of? Uh, so, my dad was a volunteer firefighter, and so like I always wanted to go into the fire service until I was like in middle school, and then I wanted to be a teacher. That's interesting. Yeah, I wanted to be a, a high school history teacher of all things, <laughs> um, and then I got into high school and got into health science classes and. The rest is kind of history. That's actually kind of cool. The funny part is, uh, I believe high school history was probably one of my favorite subjects. It was the only one I did well in, other than health science. That's that's kind of cool. So, uh, any interest any interest in being a firefighter now or no? No, no there's too much bureaucracy in the fire service. I just, I'm I'm kind of over it. Well, while you're not wrong, they also don't make as many runs as we make. So there's that. Well, yeah, no, I could always just play PlayStation and sleep for a living. But, hey, that's where it's at. That's uh, where it's oh, at. Lord, here we go. I enjoy, you know, actually doing my job. <laughs> hey, they do their job when they're there. They, they are always there whenever we call for them. I give them props for that. They're really good at kicking doors. Yeah, and they get back to the recliner really fast so they and don't get cold. They can lift some fat people. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So uh, what's, your, uh, what's your biggest fear? Failure. In what, particularly? Just failure. Fair enough. Uh, whatever I decide I'm going to do, uh, failing at that is my biggest fear. So right now, it's, it's failure in paramedic school. Dude, that's right. Uh, we right. didn't mention that. Yeah, yeah you that. are you are uh, the um, the latest victim of, of a paramedic class. I am. Yeah, I'm being abused regularly for it. So he finished up, Alex finished up at the end with COVID. So it was kind of, you know, when they were doing their ride time, they were dealing with that. How has it been for you as a student dealing with COVID in paramedic class? Yeah, so traditionally paramedic class, as you know, is lots of lecture hours and lots of hands-on experience. Um, for me, it's, it's an hour and a half of lecture time. Um, and we get three hours of hands-on time a week oh wow uh, and so we've we've jokingly crowned ourselves as covid medics um, yeah yeah so funny story uh whenever one of the the girls from my class finished uh she went to have her uh title changed in her polo and she put paramedic for them to change it to paramedic and they actually messed up and put paradigmic who who's your hero? Like childhood hero? Who did you want to be whenever you were? Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that dude. And all the characters from Scooby Doo. All of all them? of them. All of them. At one time or the same people. Yeah, I just wanted to be a big collective. Like okay. I wanted to solve crimes and save crocodiles. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, being you wear glasses, you would be one hot Velma. You know, I've been told that before. Yeah, if you, you shrunk my nose and gave me longer hair. Yeah. 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 Do you wear a skirt often or is it just kind of just me on closed doors? Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> that's fine. I mean that's fine. I've got way too many mental images of this now. 
You're welcome for that. So what's your favorite piece of equipment uh, that you use, you know, daily on the on the ambulance? I use the steering wheel a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is, I, I would hate to see our job without a steering wheel. That would be, no, um, maybe handlebars. I, think, I, I could do handlebars. I think particularly at our service uh, and the other smaller services I've worked at, um, one of the most underutilized pieces of equipment, one of the greatest pieces of equipment we have is entitled capnography. Um, I would 100% agree. We've talked Definitely about that before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Um, that's, that's about it. That's, I mean, the that's, radio. That's radio. really good, the you radio. Like, you like talking on the radio? So do you have the lapel mic? I, no, no, I don't like talking on the radio. <laughs> but I, I use the steering wheel and I talk on the radio. Okay. Oh. Okay, so while we're at the lapel mic, I believe right. you have an announcement to make, Guess. So I, I did actually attempt the lapel mic. Um, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Everybody did make fun of me because obviously they had heard this podcast. So then they had to make, you know, make a big, big to do about it. I did find out, however, that I do have a one up on all the men in the service when it comes to the lapel mic. When you're wearing a T-shirt, you don't have anything to strap it onto, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know. So personally. do you use it so much when you're when you're just in like a T-shirt? Not as I mean I do, but it, it's kind of obnoxious because whenever I sneeze or turn my head, I usually usually uh, click the mic once. So I've I figured out the trick to that, and and you can thank me later. Mm-hmm. Bra straps. I I guess I'll start wearing a bra. Okay, that's fair. But you have to stay out of my underwear drawer. Like you can't wear mine. I don't think I think they'll be too small for you. I thought you already wore one. Bra- are we talking about bras or underwear? Yes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Women's underwear in particular. Uh, occasionally, yeah, but only superhero, like only Wonder Woman. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, and that's only sometimes, again, behind closed doors. Gotcha, okay. Yeah. With the socks on, and you didn't have shoes on. Did I not? I, I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to make the story up, we might as well make it, make, make it strong, right? Oh, I'm Knee-high not socks. Yeah. <laughs> Do what? Knee-high socks. Knee-high socks. Knee-high socks, just like Velma. I've seen the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so, so getting off of that rabbit hole, what's your what? What do you think is the most rewarding part of your Hold job? Hold on a minute. What? You didn't tell everybody the three magic words. I'm not gonna say it. You just one time. No. Nah, that's figures. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. So, what was your question? What's the most rewarding part of the job? Yeah. What's I'm curious what these three magic words are. That he was right. Wow. Go, ahead, go ahead and say it. I just did. No, one more time. No, that's it. No, that wasn't official. Mm-mm, that's all you're getting. I mean, we're officially, we're officially hot now. Go ahead and say it. You were. It's hot in here anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I am sweating. Um, so <laughs> the most rewarding part of the job, clocking out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm kidding. I mean, hey, look. At least there's honesty. Um. No, you know when we get in this, we get in this for the the blood and the guts, the the cardiac arrest, for the for the one percent really. Right. Um, yeah, I've, for I've sure. found over the over the years, most rewarding part is holding the grandma's hand on the way to the hospital. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's when people, not even the the thank you for your service thing, right? Right. But like when they genuinely appreciate you just being there. Yeah, it's. And it's weird. We were—I was talking about this with a guy I was working with the other day, and we were discussing um, like somebody buying our meal, 
and you know we didn't ask for it like the the, the couple of times it's happened to me we've been in a restaurant and somebody just got up and left and they've been like hey your meal's paid for you know the couple sitting over there paid for it or whatever and uh, you know it happens so little that we're just kind of like i don't know what to say i don't know what to do like yeah absolutely uh it's not even that necessarily but just like the uh you know you take the grandma to the hospital and she she thanks you just for being kind to her because yeah. the last time the ambulance was here they were they were mean about it they were dicks yeah there's no reason yeah, that goes back to, you know, the whole be professional thing in, in our last episode. Yeah, to be honest, I only listened to half of your last episode. I'm not surprised. Are you serious? I'm kind of a slacker. <laughs> You're my assistant supervisor. So you he should know this by now. He doesn't know what happens in the second part of the episode, No, does he doesn't. He? No, I have All no right. clue. I have 17 minutes left. Should we tell him or should we just surprise him? Just surprise him. Oh, boy. Okay. This is going to be so, good. So, you, you just mentioned, you know, I'm your assistant supervisor. So, you've worked with me as just a paramedic before. Well, I wouldn't say just a paramedic, but, yeah, I have worked with you. Super medic. God, don't, don't flatter me. This thank, isn't the time. Thank you for your service. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, how, yeah, has your that, how has that been to transition from that, from working with me as a partner to me kind of like being your next in command yeah so i've had this happen several times in my career um where i've i've seen the transition even our director right mm-hmm. yeah you know, right we, we right. watched him go from someone we worked with to our director um for you and and him and other people some people um it, it was really easy i already respected you in that role i already came to you for advice i already I already recognized you as a leader now there's some people that were appointed as leaders over me that i had no respect for Right. Uh, they had actually right. lost all respect that I ever would have had for them. And so for them, it was a really, really hard transition that I still struggle with. I still struggle with almost a, a form of insubordination because they've proven themselves to be poor leaders. Right. And, you know, I shared something on Facebook uh, yesterday. I believe it was. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, and it says you get authority from the rank, but respect comes from your actions. And yeah. It was from I've- Chief Bob Hoff. And uh, you know that's that's really um, I think kind of what you're what you're talking about there. You can respect the position, but you don't necessarily have to respect the person as an individual. Have you all ever seen the the series Band of Brothers? In the in the first episode, there's Captain Sobel, and he he leads this unit. And he ends up getting demoted, or he loses his unit, and one of his his uh, subordinates, Lieutenant Winters, ends up taking over the unit. And towards the end of the series, he becomes a major, right? So he's major dick winners. And so he's passing Captain Sobel mm-hmm. at one of these outposts. And right. Sobel averts his eyes and he tries to avoid it. And, and Winners makes a point that you salute the position, not the person. Right. And right. so even these people I don't respect, to a certain degree, yeah, I'll still listen to them. I'll still give them the respect that the position earns. You, however... Um, and, and others that have earned their way in, that have earned the respect. I give you the respect. I give you, you, you already have the authority, right? That was given to you by the service. Right. You have the respect because you earned it. Right. And I think that kind of is a two way street too. I think you can have the respect of the people without the, the title of the position and still be respected in what you say and what you do as well. Yeah. I've, I've absolutely seen that, um, throughout my career even just just normal paramedics or even emts i've seen emts at some other services particular that that are nothing more than a a street level emt yet they have more say so because of the respect they've earned 
Yeah. And what what do you think particularly when you look at somebody as as like a role model? What do you look for specifically? So specifically, do they do their job? Um, do they show up every day? Do they clock in on time? And do they get shit done? Or do they show up and go to their bunk room by 8.05 right. when the clock ends at 8, right? Um, you know, when they're on runs, are they calm, cool, and collected? Do they know what they're talking about? Because it's really easy to act like you do. Mm-hmm. It's really, really easy to fool the public. But, you know, you have people that have done this for years. You have people who have literally studied the protocols. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't fool us. Right. So <laughs> Right? So, and so it, it's really easy to fake that. I don't, I don't respect that. Right. I, I'll, I'll give you that. And to the same token, when you're wrong, can you admit it? Yes. Because so that, like just inevitably night, you're going to be wrong. Somebody will absolutely. be wrong eventually. Well, just last night, you know, Cass had to get in my ass about something. Right. <laughs> and as soon as she did and as soon as I realized what I did, I admitted to it. <laughs> right. Right? Mm-hmm. And we were good after that. Yeah, we like, were good. I had my mom talk and we were done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that takes, you know, I, I think that's a two-way street as well. I think it... It requires them to have your respect and you to respect them as well. I think that, like I said, I think that's a two-way street. Yeah, when I'm looking at role models, uh, you know, y'all both know Pete that we work with. You know, he's been doing this 30 years. And not (laughs) only has he done this 30 years, he's not one of those one year of experience 30 times. He has 30 years of experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And and to this day, he'll come to me as a paramedic student and say, hey, this happened on a run. Do you think I did the right thing? Right. What do you think about this? Yeah. Yeah. He and does he, it to me, and I'm still just baffled. I'm yeah. like, sir, <laughs> you, right. you've forgotten more than I'll ever know yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah. I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you do. You've done this a thousand times now. So that mm-hmm. that's the kind of role models I look for. I loved when I worked the same station as him because oh, it was sure. like every morning, whether I was getting off or he was coming on, however, however it ended up working out. We'd sit there and talk for a good hour, just about runs, like cool runs that he had had and stuff like that. And it, it was fantastic. I learned so much from that man. He's like retired twice and come back because he wants to. He doesn't do yeah. it for the money. There's well, no he way. doesn't need the money. No, no, no. <laughs> I would, I would absolutely love to have him on here sometime. Yeah, no, that would be perfect. It's just you know, just a bit of wisdom. I'd listen to that full episode. No oh, thanks. <laughs> is, all right, so I see where your loyalties lie. That's cool. So, with that respect, what's your biggest, like, pet peeve? Mm, I have a lot. I'm really OCD. Uh, my biggest would probably be someone who lies. Just point, lies about anything. Right. It's um, like, there's a lot of things. You could forget to clean your truck. Cause that's one of my pet peeves, mm-hmm. as you all know. We know. Um, <laughs> you, could for, you could put the monitor up wrong. That's one of my pet peeves. I can fix all that. Yeah. But yeah. if you lie to me about something. Right. Um, for one, no, I can't fix that. I don't know what the truth is. But for two, I have no respect for you. Right. Um, it, it's just not that hard to be honest about stuff. Yeah. And that's not an EMS thing. That's just being a sucky. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's just, just being a sucky person. In that's general. just in general. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I no longer not only don't respect you as a paramedic or an EMT, I don't respect you as a person. Yeah. that. I mean, you shouldn't. I mean... And, I, and back to the leaders thing, the, the bad leaders that I've had, that's what they've done. Is lied to you. Yeah. Yeah, and even if they're lying to you to hype you up and, and try to make you feel good about yourself or I'm putting you as so-and-so because you're such a good person and we yeah. don't make them there, it doesn't make it any better if it's a lie. It really don't. Right.
uh, you know, you've told us your your pet peeve. What are you particular about? Like, what's one thing, the one, and I say one thing because I know how you are. You're particular about everything. What is the <laughs> what is the one thing you are most particular about? I would say the like the cleanliness of the truck. Like as far as like being detailed, or as far as like you know overall stock, or like what? Yes. Okay. So like it's <laughs> it's just not that hard to detail and restock your truck. Do, do you I, do your job? What? I do it after every run. It's not, and I'm not asking people to take toothbrushes to the truck. I'm not asking right. them to wax wax the damn floors. That like I've it's seen you just do. I have done that, but it's just <laughs> not that hard to sweep it out and put the shit back. Right. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you too sure you're not married? Like, I'm, am I'm, I am I even in this relationship at the moment? I mean, for I mean, now, you can be if for you now. want to. Oh no. For now. <laughs> she's up. She's leaving her room. That's cool. All right, man. So you've got the world's biggest megaphone. What are you telling? What are you telling uh, John Q. Public now? I really should have prepared for these questions better. I sent you a copy of them. No, you did for sure. I just didn't think of answers. I also um, changed changed some of the questions. Yeah, I've noticed. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah, so I'm probably, um, if I'm being honest, just gonna tell them to take a damn bath and wash their ass. <laughs> all right so yeah like i literally had the nastiest patient i've ever had my last shift and the bad part was it wasn't his fault uh he had a colostomy bag bust and there was nobody there to take oh, care man. of him yeah it was bad and, and it, the the gentleman was a vet so he he had nobody he'd tried to get help before and he couldn't really get the help that he wanted and i told him i said if i have my way you are getting help and, you know, I got to pass it on to the nurse, and the nurse passed it on. And, uh, you know, several APS cases later, he's he's finally gone to VA to get the help that he needs. So. Good, good. Man, I had a patient the other day. I almost threw up in the back of the truck. That's bad like, news. Uh, he was altered mental status, and we're in the back of the truck, you know, doing the workup and stuff. And I looked down, I thought his leg was necrotic. And, like, the smell coincided. Yeah, so like, yeah. Uh, so I started gagging. And I cut his pant legs. It was just a like a white tube sock that was so nasty that looked yeah. necrotic. So you almost threw up. Oh, I didn't throw up, but I was close. Have you ever thrown up in the ambulance? I have. I have one time. From what? Uh, it was funny story. <laughs> so That's what we're here for. I'd been a, a certified EMT maybe six months. Uh-huh. I'm in the back of the truck, and we're taking this guy with a trach to VA. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Oh, backstory. So I actually threw up before that. We're in the back of the truck <laughs> with my partner. He was like, I need to be suctioned. And I was like, I'm not. Your partner needs to be? No, my partner said. Like, oh, okay. she, he told my partner that. She's a I was going to say, that's a whole new And she was like, all right, experience. I'll suction you before we go. And then if you need it, he can do it on the way up. It's like, uh, I don't, I don't think that's I don't how this works. That. Yeah. So um, she starts suctioning. And I get sterile water out to, you know, to clear the suction line. And the smell hit me. And then I heard it, and oh. then I looked and I saw like the lung butter, yeah. and my, I already didn't feel good. Like I already <laughs> had a little over, bit of a yeah. stomach virus, and so I just stepped out of the side of the truck and threw up yeah. everywhere. It was bad. So that's like that's like my thing, that and dead people. Oh, see, I can handle a dead person. Like I've had maggots crawling out. The and smell doesn't bother me. Just the fact that they're dead and I can't do anything to fix it. No, see, I don't, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> she gets really grossed out when they get the blisters and they pop. Oh, and really? then you do the slip and slide and the mm. decomp. That was that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. That's the only time I think I've ever seen you gag. I've seen you throw up before, but that was when you were pregnant. Yeah, so I do. I yeah, that was that was awful. Um, 
being pregnant and working EMS, like the the day I had our kid was like my first day off, um, <laughs> and was. I had morning sickness the entire pregnancy. That's it was all. night sickness, actually. I don't know why the hell they call it morning sickness. It was 8 o'clock at night, on the dot, yeah. every night. The little bastard sickness, has really. always worked night shift. Yeah, so here's a, <laughs> here's a funny story. So we go out on this, this self-inflicted gunshot wound one night, oh and we're on the way back to the hospital, and it's from the lake. So it's twisty, curvy, like there's not a straight line to be found, right? Uh, they're driving us in like it's not even a dually ambulance it's like a single wheel ambulance so we're getting rocked all over the place we were actually partners so i was in the back with her and we had a firefighter driving us in and um he wasn't doing anything crazy i mean it was you know it was just there were no straight roads so the guy's diaphoretic he's got a sucking chest wound that we put a um occlusive dressing we put an occlusive dressing on but it wouldn't stay because he was so diaphoretic. So oh, she's cool. holding it with her glove, and we're doing everything else, trying to get IVs and fluids and yada, 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 you know. So she grabs my hand, and she says, hold this for a second. And she grabs my hand and puts it on this occlusive dressing, and she goes up in the wheel well, and she throws up, and then she comes back, and she, like, wipes her mouth off, and she grabs a hold of it, and she's like, okay, I'm good now. I'm like, did you, did, do you realize where we're at in life right now? <laughs> did I tell you the story about my last partner? <laughs> no. It was like 2 a.m. We had this old woman. She had like the you know the to the knees breasts, and uh, <laughs> yeah, those are my favorite. She's complaining of chest pain and some other stuff, right? Right. So, so we were like, all right, we're gonna do a 12 lead. And I hand my partner the cables because she's a female, and I didn't feel like doing it. Yeah, yeah. Like there was just other stuff I could be doing. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Well, I'm not nice. Um, and so she lifted the left breast, and there was like the boob cheese, you know? Yes. Oh, my favorite. And she stepped in the wheel well and started gagging. <laughs> And I had to do the rest of patient care. Oh, she wow. was like, I just, um, you know, what, what's that 12 lead? Like, what's going on? Because we had just finished cardiology. She was like, that's you know, what, what's going fantastic. on on that? And Yeah. That's perfect. So that's, that's, that, that's actually really similar to, like, one of my first runs as an EMT. So I was doing my ride time, my clinical ride time as an EMT with my mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're on the track. Well, we got a call out to this lady complaining of difficulty breathing. We get there. It was easier to move the concrete steps to her house than try to bring her down the steps. Every bit of 600 pounds. My mom's littler than me. She drives. <laughs> Puts me in the back with her partner, who's a pretty hefty dude. He couldn't even stand up and move around the patient. So, of course, as the EMT, I'm the, you know, the fucking new guy so they're gonna sit there and make me do everything so of course they want me to put her on a 12 lead so i i, I pick the boob up there's cheese puffs under the <laughs> boob you can't make this shit up i've got nothing <laughs> i've got nothing so oh. i can't eat cheese puffs now the real oh, question can, is did she did she ask to eat them though no mm. no she's not dedicated enough. no she wasn't dedicated. she's not she's not a true fatty I don't know. Would you have ate it? Would I mean I love cheese puffs. I don't know about with cheese puffs with cheese. What what time (laughs) of the night was it? It was during the day. (laughs) Like what time though? Was it a food time? How hungry am I? Yeah. It's kind of like you've been running all day and it's like Like me last night? Yes. Oh, I'm eating them for sure. (laughs) I mean cheese puffs. It could be Fumunda cheese. I don't care. It might taste okay. It, uh, it might. I don't know. You just, let me let me I'll, know how that works out. I'll just chase it. It's fine. You know. So we know what you keep under your boobs. What do you keep in your pockets or on your belt? Hmm. 
So let's see. Um, we'll just start like at the the normal pant pockets. Sure. We'll work around. Sure, go for so it. So left front pocket is my phone. Yeah. Uh, left cargo pocket, I keep three ink pens and Bluetooth headphones. Bluetooth headphones. Any reason in particular? Mostly for out of county transfers. Like on the, I'll keep one in my ear on the way there. Okay. Um, but like on the way back, so I don't have to talk to my partner. <laughs> That's awful. If, that like, if I don't of, like my partner. That is kind of terrible. So, next time I have to call you about something on, on duty because you've screwed something up or I need to talk to you, there's no excuse. Yeah, no, I'll probably have my Bluetooth headphones in. Fair enough. Sure. I'll keep That's that awesome. in mind. That's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you better answer your phone. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore her every time now. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, uh, so, left hip pocket, I keep my, like, a right and rain. Oh, back to my cargo pocket. I keep three different pens. So I keep a right and right. rain pen, a regular ink pen, and a Sharpie. Left hip pocket, right and rain pad. Yeah. Uh, right hip pocket, my wallet. Uh-huh. Um, my right front pocket, I keep a knife, and then I keep some Afrin because I have this abnormally large nose. Uh, it gets do, full of secretions sometimes. Okay, so do they have like a special atomizer for your nose? So I actually have to take like the MAD device. Yeah. You know how wide those get? Uh -huh. I have to shove that bitch to the hub. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Like knuckle deep. Yeah, no, all the way. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, oh, that's it. Oh, okay. my belt. My belt. That's more your important, belt. actually. Yeah. So on the right side, I keep my D-swivel clip for my radio. Right. Do you, um, use, hold on, do you use the, uh, the lapel mic? No, I lost my squirrel tail a long time ago. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, um, on the left side, I carry an O-light flashlight. Okay. Um, do you whip it out every chance you get? I do, yeah. I notice it's a small a small light, too. It's a small light, but it's got 2,000 lumens. Yeah, right. <clears throat> small light club. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it, it's it's about like me. It's yeah, small yeah, yeah. but powerful. There you go. That's 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 the important part, really. I don't carry a flashlight. I'm not sure what that says about it, me. It packs a punch. It well, is. you're a woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ours just correlates to other things. Yeah. All right, man. So we've got through all of the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we've got through all the uh, all the important stuff. Okay. Uh, so you you said you've got a uh, a story for us. All right. So it's going to take some dialogue after. Um, I kind of, okay. I've thought about this for a couple weeks since you brought up me coming on here. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, <clears throat> this only works if we have dialogue after. Oh, for sure. Um, and so I was working at my part-time job, which just so happens to be in my hometown. I think right. you both heard this story, actually. But I mean, we'll tell it again. I've heard several good stories. You've heard a you. lot of You've good You've got ones. a really good nickname for one. <laughs> We're not bringing that one up. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's an off-duty story. It's not pertinent. <laughs> That's a really good story, though. Go ahead. Anyway, so I'm working uh, in my hometown with a really, really good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. um, we're on the truck together. And we get dispatched to an NBC about a mile from my house on an old back road that I, I grew up learning to drive on. Um, yeah, so it's one vehicle NBC okay. after a pursuit mm -hmm. with SO. And so um, we're on the way there. And another good buddy of mine is on the rescue squad there. And so he's going through EMT class, and he, he thinks he kind of knows the thing. So he radios us. He was like, you know, Med 2, I need you to, uh, you, you probably should call Air Medical. And I was like, ah, I don't know about all that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a one-lane road. You can't really get speed. There's no there's no damn way it's, it's anything. Right, right. <clears throat> and so um, we go on and do it. Like, we give him benefit of the doubt. So we go on and try to get him on standby. 
uh, thankfully, because, you know, it, an hour later we finally caught one. But uh, so we get there and go walking up to this truck and it's, it's a mangled piece of metal around this tree. Um, and come to find out from SO, they'd been running at 110 miles an hour. Oh my God. On this small curvy ass back road. And hence, uh, hence the wreck. Hence right. why they missed the curve and hit the tree. Yeah, they just went straight <laughs> so, through it. So they yeah. hit this tree hard enough that they hit head on, bounced off, spun around, and then the driver's side was had about 12 inches of intrusion. Out. 12 to 16. Right. So the uh, the driver, his seat was completely sheared off. The center console was gone. <clears throat> he was laying where it should have been. Um, and he was he was very dead. Uh, so so we went on called the coroner. Um, the then there was a female in the back seat. And so I get to her. She has Shane Stokes respirations. Um, pretty much unresponsive. She would kind of grunt. She had like a GCS of like five, maybe. Oh, that's, uh, that sounds good. One pupil's blown, one's uh, constricted, you know, classic, almost like herniation. Right. Symptoms. Um, we, we pull her out of the truck, or out of the, the vehicle, um, get her in the truck. We, we're, we're doing the thing. We're doing an assessment. And right. She has some, some slight tracheal deviation, um, absent lung sounds on both sides. So, you know, we pop both sides of the chest. Um, she has bilateral femur fractures, uh, a humeral fracture on the right side. We get lines, we get fluids, we, we do the thing, right? Right, right. Um, we get her, we, it's finally time to transport, right? So I get up front, I'm driving. Um, we have a, an EMT in the back that doesn't work for us anymore, and so that's why I'm driving. Um, and I'm literally fighting with dispatch uh, about the need of a helicopter. They're like, right. well, just, just take them to, to the local hospital. It's like, they're not, they don't even know what trauma is. Right. They can't spell trauma. <laughs> right. They're not even a level four trauma center. Yeah. Uh, I finally get a helicopter on the way, and it's coming from literally like an hour and a half away. Oh, oh my God. Uh, And so, you know, 30-minute flight time plus right. lift off, right? right? And so we go on and take her in. Um, they put bilateral chest tubes in. They do the thing. They intubate her because she still had a gag reflex. We don't have RSI there. Right. And so helicopter gets there, flies her out. She dies in the air. Um, right. That's, that's the fun part of the story. That's, okay. that's the part we live for, right? Right, right. Yeah, the adrenaline, the... Uh, so yeah. so if you think back <laughs> to the first part of this interview here, mm-hmm. um, I taught, I was in health science for, for four years in high school, and my right. senior year I taught health science. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, they had the you learn until you teach thing. Right, right. So I'm teaching. Um, the driver of the vehicle was a freshman in uh, intro to health science class that I taught my senior year. Um, the girl that we flew out was a girl I graduated with that was in HOSA with me. It was in health science classes right. with me right. that I was really, really good friends with in high school. Yeah. And so that run itself um, kind of put me on a, this like tailspin. So that was in 2018. Um, you right. both know I didn't work in EMS for a year after that. Yeah, right. it, was, it was a while. Yeah, so that run was uh, right at the end of May 2018, and I got married the first week of June. Right. Um, so that was one of my last runs I made Right. before right. I got married. And then I went on my honeymoon, and I came back, and then my second shift back, I got hurt. Yeah, I knew you were you could get hurt right after that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, for all you all listening, I actually had a back injury in June of 2018 that put me out for 10 months. 
11 months put me out for 11 months and then i came back and worked came to work for the service with with these goons here right um, and I, i've kind of been stuck ever since um so really the the story is, is a story but the the real part of it came after mm-hmm. and it came for months and months and months after right right um to the point that when i came back to the service we all work at now it still affected me and, and so the the real thing about it is about the mental health of, of ems yeah and it's the thing nobody wants to talk about oh no no it's yeah, taboo it's nobody yeah. needs help well, we're all tough right <laughs> yeah. like right. if you need help you're a pussy yeah yeah uh, and I've been told that for years. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. been told you just suck it up, you drink about it, and you get the fuck over it. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and let's just yeah. face it, we're all <laughs> fucked up because of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And and the the problem is, is we all deal with it, but yet we don't. Yeah, we don't we don't deal with we it don't. as much as we should. We, None yeah. of us deal with it. No. Right. We, of, we bury it. Yeah, yeah and uh, that, that's what I was going to ask you. So being <laughs> you have to deal with that, obviously it's it's made an effect on you. Is it something that you bury and don't think about? Or is it something that you feel like you need to face head on and get dealt with right now? Yeah, so for a long time, I was a bury it person. Okay. Um, up to that run. So at, at the point of that run, I'd worked full-time paid EMS for four years. I'd done it for, well, okay, three and a half years. I'd done it for seven and a half years. Right. And I'd, I'd been here before, kind of. Right, and so up to then, I was a barrier person. I, I would get shit faced drunk about it, and I would just move on. I'd forget about it, kind right. of. Mm-hmm. Um, after that run, I spent a nine of the ten months I was on injury getting drunk every single day. Um, I had an eighty dollar a day bar tab, wow. seven days a week. Wow! Um, I almost went through a divorce because of it. Like <laughs> as you got married. Yeah, yeah, I just got married. Right. Right? And and within a month of getting married, I'm sitting in a bar every day, shit face drunk. Wow. Um, I can't tell you how many times I called her. Like, I would tell her, hey, I'm going with a buddy to the bar to get a drink. When really it was, hey, I'm by myself and I'm going to get shit faced. Right. So what was what was that final point? What what made you break out of that, that cycle? Yeah, so I, I hate saying this on a national podcast, but I'm going to. Um so the, the final point, I actually went to a bar with a buddy that I worked EMS with um, in another county. Uh, we had went to this bar. We were just going to go get a drink. And then we went bar hopping through mm-hmm. the town we lived in and both got absolutely trashed. Right. Um, I don't remember leaving the bar. I don't remember getting in my car and driving, but I did. I drove home and passed out on my couch. Uh, when I woke up the next morning, I realized that my drunk ass had drove across town and put who knows how many lives in danger right. um, because of my stupidity. And so that was kind of the breaking point. A week later, my wife found out she was pregnant with her first kid. Oh, wow. <clears throat> they change everything, don't yeah. they? <laughs> uh, and so I'd already kind of come to realize, hey, you're kind of being a piece of shit. Like, you, you really need to get, get it together. Um, and then after that... It just it, everything changed, um, and a couple months later, I was I was working with you all. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, did you ha- did you tr- had try to talk to anybody and they turned you away, or was it just like, hey, I've I've kind of felt the stigma. I don't want to, um, I don't want to 
burden anybody or for them to you know for them to call me a pussy what yeah so it was kind of the opposite um my director of that service actually reached out to me about a week later and you know it's like hey i know you had this this run i just wanted to check on you i was like no i'm good i'm mm-hmm. fine and at the time i thought i was right like I, I really just thought i was i was tough enough to handle it i i thought i was all good um me and the paramedic that worked it have have since talked a lot and he spent every shift that he because he passed by the rec site right um he would stop and buy flowers every third day and drop them there and just sit and cry for hours wow. at at the site of the wreck um i never knew that until right. about a year ago um wow. I, I just being honest i didn't face this run like i didn't you know look it and and get through it until about a year ago right um and it still bothers me so i, I pass this road every time i go to my parents house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've made the mistake of driving it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And if I right. pass the site of the wreck, I'm done for the day. It all starts over again. Absolutely. Right. Um, and so, no, I, I didn't reach out and talk to anybody. I, they tried to talk to me. Uh, my, my shift leader at my full-time job at the time, I, I was on a 48, and so I worked with him the next day and flew out a five-year-old right. um, from a wreck. And she's fine now, but she had a head injury. And uh, the whole way there, I was like, man, I can't do it. Uh, no, we've, we've got to call another truck. I can't, <laughs> right. I can't handle it today. He was like, you're going to have to get over it. So how did you handle it? I mean, did you, did you tell him, look, you know, uh, I can't, or did you? No, I just made the damn run. <laughs> For being I mean, I was already on the way there. Well, and it's another, you know, you compartmentalize or Yeah, that, that's exactly away. what I did. I kind of just completely emotionally separated from everything, including myself. Um, and I, I made the run. We had, I don't know, like 15 patients on the parkway. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, we flew out five. We, we landed five <laughs> helicopters <laughs> we on had, the We had one almost like that. Yeah. We had three helicopters um, and code and, yeah. Yeah. So, seven patients. So seven. And actually, five. we were going to BLS the girl that i ended up flying out and because she seemed fine right we get in the back of the truck and i get vitals he's getting refusals on people and (laughs) i I go to check pupils and he opened the side door and i was like john you need to you need to get back here he goes what's going on man hey look at this uh uh, (laughs) look what i found her right pupil is not responsive and it's blown he goes oh fuck let's go Mm. let's just go yeah I mean, we were 20 minutes from the LZ, so we just oh, called wow. for a helicopter and landed them at the hospital. So knowing what you know now from that run and from how you handled that, what steps do you put in place now when you have runs that, you know, flat out just fuck with you? So I had a, um, I had a 13-year-old that hung herself a couple months ago, mm-hmm. um, which had I not had the run at my part-time job, this would have been the worst one. Right. Um, this I'd be there now. Right. Um, so initially, I, I talked to my partner about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you both know her, mm-hmm. and right? So she refused to talk. Right. Um, I actually tried to go to the director about it mm-hmm. uh, because I respect him and the assistant director, even who was my supervisor at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and both them just kind of shrugged it off. They were more worried about my partner than they were me. Um, and so I went to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I worked out for about four hours. Okay. Um, and I completely destroyed every part of my body I could um, <laughs> right. while thinking about the run, right? Minus, get, minus your liver this time. Minus my liver. That's minus actually the one liver. thing that stayed healthy <laughs> um, right. at first. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
And so I did that and thought I was okay, thought I was okay. Right. Um, and then, I don't know, about two, three weeks later, I realized I wasn't. Mm-hmm. No, I still wasn't. Um, and <clears throat> so I'm, I'm pretty experienced at the drinking thing. Right. And <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty experienced in the EMS thing. Oh, and so, right? and so I, I realized I, I had one thing to try mm-hmm. that I hadn't done, and that was to drink. Right. But I knew if I did it, I had to face it. I couldn't drink to suppress mm-hmm. like I right. used to. Right. And so that's exactly what I did. I locked myself in the office. I drank a fifth of whiskey, um, roughly. <clears throat> and then I cried a lot. I screamed a lot. Right. And then I actually called our director about it at 11 yeah. o'clock at night. Well, I sent him a text and he called me immediately. Yeah. And he was like, you know, what's going on? So I, I tell him what's going on. We worked through what was bothering me. Um, and I, I figured out my, my big issue, the, this girl had hung herself upstairs. Mm-hmm. And so my big issue was that I never talked to the parents. Like, uh, you, neither of you've worked a death scene with me, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I think, think we, so. were, we were lucky enough when me and you yeah. were working together, we didn't have to. I think so. <laughs> and so a big thing for me is I have to talk to the family. Right. Right. Um, it gives me closure. Yeah, I get that. Weirdly enough. I get that. And so on that scene with the partner I was with, I, I didn't feel comfortable going downstairs to go talk to the family. Uh, the supervisor had already done it. The assistant director had already done it. My partner had already done it. Law enforcement had already done it. There was no point in me going downstairs. So I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the big bother I had. That was what was hanging me up. So I wrote a letter. And I still have the letter. I never sent it. Uh, I never will send it. Send right. it. But um, that's what I did. That's actually, uh, I, I like the unorthodox approach, though. Uh, it took weeks of figuring it out. And then a very long discussion with my wife beforehand. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. when I first brought it up, she's like, no, we're not doing that shit. We're not going back down this path. Right. Yeah. Like, you're not becoming an alcoholic again for this. Right. Um, if that's where we're going to go every time you have a bad run, you're done. Right. Drop out of class, quit your job, go work at a factory, something. Right, because, you know, I mean, they do teach us, us before them, whether we abide by that or not is sometimes questionable. But if you're not there to do it, you know, no, who, who's going to be? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think we all do that. Like, even, I, I even get guilt, like, when I, you know, when I'm sick and I have to call in. Like, I, I get this god-awful guilt about, well, who are they going to get to cover my shift? You know, is everybody else going to going to have to pick up because I'm yeah. not there? Are we going to be down a truck? Right. And and Alex has been really good about, you know, making me go like, no, you got to take care of you. Because if you don't take care of you, you're not going to be able to take care of everybody else. Yeah. No, um, I get the same guilt. Uh, it's a little different because I don't really care about the patients when I'm calling in. But I feel bad for my coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, feel awful for my coworkers. Right. You know, what's their run volume going to change to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we going to be down a truck or yeah. how's it going to affect everybody? So I feel like, I don't know. Me and you have talked about this a few times before. You've never had that run yet. I've had, um, I've had runs that I think about and runs that kind of bother me, but not to the point of, of that. It almost bothers me that I am not as bothered as I think I should be about some things. There are definitely runs that get us or that that get me, uh, particularly um, like kids, uh, especially you know, you know. And it's always 
when you make a run with a kid, and I don't know, Tim, if you've done it now that you've you've got a couple of couple little ones of your own, when they're around the age of your child, like it's it's another it's another thing. It's more relatable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, whenever that happens, it's kind of eerie to me. But uh, after uh, our first, you know, experience with the little one that we've had, and, and for those of you that don't know, he spent a week uh, in the NICU uh, after being intubated uh, shortly after birth. And it, it that kind of messed with me more than anything, I believe. Um, and whenever I have to deal with a, you know, a sick kid, that obviously plays back in my head. When I was in paramedic class, um, the OB chapter was something I tried to avoid at all costs, my OB clinicals and that sort of thing. And it wasn't, honestly, it was, it was just me trying to keep from, um, I guess, you know, reigniting any of that old, old old trauma that I had to deal with. And you're just, it's from personal life stuff, but it's no different. Right. Right. So uh, it, it was kind of weird because it was almost like a run for him because I was, I was off duty and him and his partner actually were the ones that took me into the hospital. Oh wow. Okay. So I was sitting at the station. It was my first day off, and uh, I had brought them breakfast, and then I thought my water had broken. I had ended up abrupting. So they took me in, and then this all kind of unfolded afterwards. So it was. It, it was it was a run. I've actually still it, got a bill yeah. from it. Um, <laughs> it was, and the weird wow. part. Yeah, they billed me yeah. from the service for I worked That's for. Awful. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote the run report. That's yeah. terrible. <laughs> it's kind of funny though, <laughs> but uh, you know, and to me, it, it like she said, I never really thought about this, but it was like a run, and I do, I, I look at my patients different than I look at most anything that I have to deal with. I look at them. And I know this sounds bad. A patient as a thing, kind of, you still keep the human aspect of it as far as the care and the nurture and that sort of thing. But I can't let it become too personal with me because then I get that attachment and then I get drug into that, that, that you know, that, oh, yeah. that, that spiral. Yeah. No, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, there's a reason my full-time job is an hour away from my hometown. Yes. And um, this was in my hometown at a hospital I was familiar with, the hospital right. I was born in. It was around people that I knew. I've known all the docs, all the nurses. I graduated with one of her nurses. You know, I knew all of these people on a very personal level. Yeah, absolutely. So it made it odd in that aspect. But yet, by the same token, I was at work. We brought her in our ambulance. I was still in uniform the entire time. And then he gets intubated uh, by the flight crew that came down that you know. Mm-hmm. I know him personally, too. And um, and then was flown out as well, you know. And the whole time, like it was it was odd because like I was calling the shots as far as the doctor was like, well, he might need to be intubated. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is my kid. He's a newborn. If we're thinking about it, do it. Like we're not messing around. You know, right, I'm yeah. not I'm not about to get behind the eight ball on this. Right. You know. And and the whole time I've got her to take care of, and this little one that I'm trying to um, trying to help with. You know. I mean, I I was suctioning and doing everything while the doctor was talking about transferring the whole time so i was there involved with patient care with him from the moment he was born so it was a whole nother experience for me but yet like you said like she said you know i never really thought about in that aspect it was like a run for me 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I read this statistic about uh, three or four months ago, and I'm going to misquote it. <laughs> but it was something like 80% of first responders are have underlying PTSD. I have I no doubt in my mind. Um, and I, I can't comprehend why we don't broadcast that. I don't either. Like, why is that not known? Yeah, well, I, typically they shame the minority, as bad as that is. They will shame, like, the minority of, of, of a group of people as far as, you know, oh, haha, you're funny because you've got long, you're a guy with long hair. Most guys have short hair or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, That's an overwhelming majority. Yeah, it is. That's the thing. Um, I could walk into our station right now, and if I ask one, anyone, if they have a run that they still remember, a run that they've ever had a nightmare about, run that they've thought about while driving down the road and it's bothered them they have ptsd Mm -hmm. yeah and i I guarantee you if they've done this job for more than three years they'll raise their hand oh at least well i'll I'll do you one further than that i don't know they would raise their hand but it may be there but i'll bet they may be ashamed to raise their hand they'd be ashamed right yeah that's the thing because we've spent so long i mean this career ems really started in what the 60s yeah we've spent somewhere in there yeah we've spent 70 years shaming these people yeah i think for no reason i think the biggest issue right now honestly is that we don't talk about it we don't have these open conversations like we are right now and yeah. it's everybody's just hiding it nobody wants to talk about it nobody wants to talk to anybody else you know you know, me and you talked about this specific run right. sitting in the front seat of my ambulance, like one of the first shifts you worked with me yeah. and we both just like, just sat there and you just spilled it and you've got to find whether it's a coworker, a spouse, a friend, your doctor, your therapist, a freaking yeah. journal, you've got to find somebody to talk to. Yeah. And we don't have that open communication. We don't have enough people who are understanding and will sit down with you and actually listen to you and it, without judgment we're right. all too worried about judging somebody and, and making somebody yeah what will somebody think and you know i'm sorry but y'all can all kiss my ass i'm screwed up yeah i mean i think we all are and i think that's what we need to realize too is you can compartmentalize this or push it back for so long but it doesn't matter if you keep putting things in the closet, the closet door will eventually not shut and you're going to show the real truth behind it all. And when you do, it's going to come out and it's going to be messy. Yeah, and that's actually happened to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's happened a couple of times. Uh, it happened as recently as last winter. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's what I was telling you all earlier. Um, I was having like terrible, terrible anxiety, mm-hmm. like crippling anxiety. I couldn't go to work. Uh, I would right. show up to work. My pressure would be like 180 systolic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd had I'd stabbing chest pains all the time. I couldn't eat. My mood swings were were crazy, and I was, was actually bad. Di- I thought you were pregnant. Yeah, and I hid in my room all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Right, and I actually remember you knocking on my yeah. door one time, asking if I was okay, and yeah. I lied. I said I was. I wasn't. Yeah, uh, we figured that out, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, no, we we worked through it. Yeah, um, and I actually was diagnosed with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, about a month later. And uh, with bipolar depression secondary to PTSD. Right. From this job. Right. Yeah. And I can say that to you two, and I can say that on a podcast because nobody knows who I am, and that's okay. <laughs> but if I said that at the station, right. I'd, I'd be the pussy, right? Right. right. I'd, I'd be the one that shouldn't be there because I can't handle the job. Yeah, and that's not at all. I mean, if, this, if you do this job for any amount of time and you don't have something that bothers you, you probably don't need to be in this field to start with because you don't have 
that care and compassion. That's exactly that you need. it. Yeah. To I, some extent, I'm not saying to your extent where it's crippling and you can't, you know, that sort of thing. But if it doesn't bother you to some point, you've got your head in the wrong place. Yeah. No. If you don't go home questioning the things that have happened and trying to at least better yourself, better your yeah. care, better the way you talk to patients, you know, be better. Yeah. That you need to go. Yep. Yeah, it's time sure. to retire. Yeah, keep, keep striving to be years. better. Yeah. yeah, the day you think you have it figured out, it's the day you need to retire. Yep. This is uh, this went from funny and joking to very serious and very serious topic really quick, and I'm I'm really happy about that. I'm glad yeah, that we got that too. out there. Uh, yeah. Mental health is a really big issue uh, with first responders in general, especially with the crap we have going on today you know uh, yeah. the riots yeah. and you know everybody against the police and well, at this point they're that, they're against everybody COVID. and covid covid in general has got everybody just mentally and physically exhausted yep. yeah and, and something that we all need to realize i've seen i'm on several you know facebook pages right right ems facebook pages. <laughs> i know y'all are, we too. All are too. um something we all need to realize i've seen these posts that you know there's these people working ems they're anti-police mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and we're a family. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? Like for when sure. I look at our brothers and sisters in blue, they're one of us, yeah. and we're one of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. We're and all so in a uniform. When they're coming that's, against that's, them, they're coming against us, yep. and vice versa. That's right? that's my perspective. Yeah, and so I'm not saying every police officer is good. They're not. Well, it's just like not every paramedic. But I'm not saying every good. paramedic's good. Right. I'm not saying every right. fireman's good. I'm not saying every teacher, or every doctor, or yeah. every line worker at a factory is good. Because they're not. No. Right. But the vast majority of them, the vast majority of us, the vast majority of firemen, the vast majority of people right. are good. Mm-hmm. And so we need to back those people. And they see the same shit we do. Yep. Yep. They if suffer not the worse, same trauma or mm-hmm. worse than we do. Yeah. If not worse. Right. I can walk into a Starbucks and get a coffee. Yeah. You know who can't? Our brother's wearing a badge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can, for the most part walk on scene and feel pretty confident I'm not going to get shot at. Mm-hmm. Because of those guys. Because of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic for another episode. It we is. may do that another time. Yeah. We, we may do that. And I would like to get, um, I'd like to get, you know, a police officer, firefighters and whatever like that on here too. So we're, we're. Even though we make fun of the firefighters, there's, there's still our. Oh, well, we should. I mean. Our, Look, wait, look, it's it's us against them unless somebody else is involved, and then then we're it's, yeah. it's you know like siblings. Then it's all of us. Yeah, it's just like siblings. It's like the smaller brother. Yeah, yeah for sure. We <laughs> like I can pick on them, but you can't. But pick you on can't them. pick yeah. on them. That's right. That's right. All right. So, what's your uh, what would be your advice to someone that's just starting this profession, uh, as far as you know how to protect themselves from you know the 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 trauma of what's to come inevitably if they do this for any amount of time? Yeah. So, I actually had this conversation just a couple weeks ago with a new hire that we had. Uh, she'd never worked EMS before, and she was going on about the, the I'm so excited. You know, I, I want these big wrecks and these cardiac arrests and go, you know, go. everything bad we could have. Yeah. I was like, No, you don't. Right. So, first of all, um, shutting down this false sense of badassery. 
okay. that, that comes with these big runs. That's the first thing I do. Uh, okay. I've, I've been in this spot before several times, right? Yeah. And so I always shut that down. Okay. And I, I don't do that in a sense of burnout. I don't do that in a sense to be that guy that tells you how bad this job is. Because it's not. It's a great job. Right. You just don't um, want to be discouraging about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't do it to be discouraging. I do it because they need to open their eyes. The second thing is to tell them just how bad this shit is. Right. Um, they're never going to know. Right. They're never going to know until they're there, until they're uh-huh. seeing it. Um, but I'll, I'll straight up tell them, especially now. I'll, I'll just be open that I have PTSD. Mm-hmm. Right. That I'm emotionally and mentally fucked up from this job and that there's not a whole lot you're going to do to prevent it. Right. It's, it's almost inevitable. The, if you don't take the proper steps. Right. If you so, don't learn to deal with your shit. And then I'll, I'll kind of coach them through it. You know, I'll, I'll let them know, well, when I was 18, I was an alcoholic. When I was 18, right. I was I was doing everything wrong to cope with this. Right. And because of that, me now, I'm still fucked up. Right, yeah. And so we, we talk through different stuff like that. So along those lines, then, uh, if that's what you're giving, you know, somebody just starting, what about somebody that's been doing this for a while that's had something bottled up that's, that's bothered them that... Uh, you know, maybe they're they're coping with it the wrong way. What what advice would you give them? It would depend on the person. Um, and so, if it was you, yeah, yeah, I feel like we're pretty close. I feel right. like I can be pretty candid with you. I tell you, grow the fuck up. Okay. Um, there's nothing masculine in hiding how you feel. Right. There's nothing masculine in just dealing with it. Right. And just just shoving it to the back of your head because all that does, all that does that ruins you, that ruins your marriage, that ruins your kids. Right. And that ruins your patient care. Right. And so if it was you, I'd be really, really candid about it. I would just say, mm-hmm. grow the fuck up. Um, right. If it's someone I'm, I'm not real comfortable with, I'm, I'm not close to my new partner, for example, mm-hmm. right? You know, if me and him mm-hmm. are having this conversation next shift, I'm gonna say, look, man, um, you can do, you can drink, you can, you can smoke pot, you can do whatever you need to do. At the end of the day, you're gonna be fucked up if you keep doing it. Right. At the end of the day, if you don't address the shit, whether it's thinking through it or talking about it with whoever, whether it be me, whether it be your supervisor, whether it be the director, whether it be your doctor or a therapist or some friend who's never worked EMS a day in his life, if you don't get it out, if you don't sort through your shit, you're going to fail. Right. You asked me, what's my greatest fear? Yeah. And that's failure. Mm-hmm. The day I realized that my mental health was going to make me fail in my career was the day I made a change. That's fair. That's a, that's a pretty good. Uh... And so to anyone, we're all type A personalities, right? All of us are afraid <laughs> of failure. Yeah. And so the truth right. is, if we let our mental health go the way it's going, right? If you don't address your shit, you don't get it back together, mm-hmm. you're going to fail. Whether it's failing driving to a scene. Right. Or it's failing while you're trying to innovate this 27-year-old overdose patient. You fail. And so, if failure's okay with you, get out of the job. Yeah. If that failure's okay with you, get out of the job because you're not going to take care of yourself. You're going to be a a statistic when you shoot yourself. Yeah. From the shit you've seen. Right. I think we can all agree that, uh, you know, the 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 EMS suicides and and personal injury has 
skyrocketed in recent years and and it's it's getting out of hand we talk about the 22 a day yeah right mm-hmm. uh, and, and veteran suicide and that's that's a troubling statistic but the fact that i can sit here as someone who has studied first responder mental health and i don't know the statistic is just as troubling right. yeah you're right we don't know how many are affected truly yeah. to that point right and, and i think i think part of that might be because we're fixers like we're naturally as, as paramedics and emts and people in i mean even nurses people in the healthcare service it's our job to fix people mm-hmm. there's not anybody there to fix us yeah right and that's the problem we're fixers if nothing else mm-hmm. if nothing else when we clock in in the mornings we should be actively trying to fix each other yes. we should be yeah. actively pursuing each other you know if if i next shift mm-hmm. if you get some fucked up Ryan, you get like a pediatric code god forbid mm-hmm. <laughs> you get back to the station i'm going to come to you yeah and you're sure. gonna shut me down mm-hmm. i know that yeah. But then the shift after that, I'm going to come back to you. And the right. shift after that, I'm going to come back to you. And I know your husband, so I'm going to be texting your husband. Yeah. Same and I'm going to do gonna... everything I can do to make sure you don't go where I did. Yeah. So the fact that you bring up a pediatric cardiac arrest is actually um, kind of funny because that was my run. That was that was the one run that that really flipped me. Like I, I, I'd had issues with people that I knew and stuff like that, but that they weren't my runs. I was just kind of secondary to it. Mm. That one was mine. I just found out I was pregnant. Oh wow! And and I literally got him in the hospital and transferred care and went out to the ambulance, puked my guts up, and cried. It was kind of an odd situation because I was working my second job doing plumbing, and she, like, I heard the the run come out or saw it over our app. Uh, and I went to the hospital and met her there just to kind of help the, help her out, you know, as a crew member. Uh, whenever she gave reports, she just like beeline towards the truck and just collapsed in the truck and just completely broke down. Um, and and I didn't know what to say or anything other than just hold her because, you know, I knew that this was going to be the one that had the biggest impact on her. Yeah, and and it did, and it, it still it still bothers me. Um, but I think I think the takeaway for this episode specifically is that we need people there to to talk to, and we need people to support us, and we need to support each other. And um, well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about about this, and and being open and honest with us, and and putting it all out there for other people to understand that it's not a bad thing to talk to other people. Yeah. So. It's really easy for me to sit behind a microphone with people I've already talked to, with people I'm comfortable with, and right. talk about these things. Um, and what what I, I want to make clear is we need to be able to feel this comfortable with everyone we work with. Mm-hmm. You would hope so. It, it doesn't matter to me if you or or Alex comes up to me or if the guy who I've had three word conversations with for the last year and that's it comes up to me we collectively should be willing to help each other um and i i think that's a a big message for the next generation in ems because we are kind of that you know most of our our older medics are getting ready to retire or you know yeah. our older generation and then right. there was a big gap there 
when they changed how paramedic classes went through. So mm-hmm. we've got a big gap in the generation. So our older generation is getting ready to leave, and we are the future generation of EMS. And I think that's a, a big takeaway for this, for our future leaders and that generation. You know, we're the mentors. We're the new new mentors, and we need to we need to make other people feel comfortable to come talk to us about that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, we're both FTOs. Right. Right. And so when when I took on being an FTO, I knew the mindset I had to have to get them emotionally ready. Mm-hmm. Right. I knew I needed to be a dick. Not too much, but just enough to think in their skin. Mm-hmm. Right. I needed to test them in that way because I, I know how we are. Mm-hmm. To the same token, we also need to be open enough about ourselves. Yes. You know, it, it's really easy for us to, to put on this facade, to act like we're badasses, to act like nothing ever bothers us, or or to act like we've been burned so bad that we can never go back there. Yeah, right? and I, you know, and, and that makes it, you know, we kind of hit on the negativity before, but that makes it miserable. Not only do you wear your partner out with those kind of things but you wear everybody at your station out everybody at the service and in particular you wear yourself out when you put yourself in that mentality you wear yourself down further with the the negativity and the burnout but the fact of the matter is that's the easy route to take you're right you're absolutely right that's the path of least resistance right like your body's already going that way yeah so why would i fight it Mm -hmm. i did that I, I went that way and almost lost everything because of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a message, you know, I've made a commitment to convey to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was joking, you know, when I was at the, when I'm at the station, if I if I mention this stuff to people at the station, I'm going to be you know harassed for it. Mm-hmm. Right. The fact of the matter is, I am. Yeah. I am harassed for that. Yeah. But I still say it. Yeah. It's okay to walk into the station and say I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it doesn't matter what people say. There's going to be paramedics. There's going to be EMTs. There's going to be firemen or police yep. officers that are going to tell you that you're a pussy. They're going to tell you to suck it the fuck up. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, if you're not okay, come to us. Yeah. Also, and I'll, I will go a step further to say, while the responsibility is partially on you to go talk to someone, because only you know how you're truly feeling, it's also your responsibility as as a co-worker or as someone that just knows to say hey man you okay and if they're give them time to give them time to absorb or time to to think about it if it like you said you know if it takes you a shift it might take a shift but come back to them well and you give did that time. for me yeah right you know, you you literally just walked in my room one day it's like yeah. look man You've been hiding for, like, <laughs> every time you're at the station. Yeah. You're hiding in your room away from yeah. everybody. Are you okay? Because mm-hmm. that's not you. Yeah. Um, I mean, we spend a third of our time with, uh, you know, with these these people that we make runs with and stuff. Personally, the way our schedule works, we spend just as much time at work as what me and Cass do together. Actually, probably a little more, to be quite honest. Yeah. <laughs> but, by the same token, I know the benefit of that is I know when something is off yeah absolutely and so the the big thing i want to convey here is like you said it's not yes it's your if you're being bothered by something if you're having nightmares if your anxiety's up if you can't eat uh it, google the symptoms of ptsd if you <laughs> have one call somebody and you said one 
Just, just one. one. You said one. Literally just yep. one. If you have, if you're driving down the road and you see a bag blowing across the road and it makes you just a little bit anxious, call somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, at that point, it may not be anything, but it may develop into something. Exactly. Get exactly. It early if you can. Exactly. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, guys, I think that that was actually a very, very productive episode. Tim, I thank you for coming on, man, and for being our well, thank you our, for having me. Our first guest, guinea pig. <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, uh, hopefully, you guys have enjoyed it as much as we have. We're, we're having a blast making these, and we hope to have some more coming out soon. Uh, if you guys have an idea for a story or uh, know somebody or yourself would like to come on, uh, you can give us a shout out on Facebook at Matt Mad EMS Podcast. Uh, you can also shoot us an email, uh, Matt Mad EMS Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and I believe, guys, I believe that about wraps it up. What do you think? Yeah, I think we're good here. All right. Good. So I believe on that note, this, this is, is Matt Mad. Mad.